Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're speaking with Andy Butcher. Andy is an author, journalist, and editorial director for Four Rivers Media. He's worked in mainstream media, newspapers, Christian magazines, including communications officer for a missions agency, and he's co-authored 25 plus books. Lean in as Andy talks to us about the impact of media today, as well as share some practical tips on how to get your message out to the world and make a difference. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Avail podcast, where we talk about the art of leadership. We love connecting with leaders who are making an impact locally, nationally, globally. We love talking leadership and ministry and impact and influence. And that's what we're going to do once again on this episode, we have an amazing guest. He's he's kind of a of, of an in-house part of our uh, Avail slash Inspire family. Uh, we're excited to connect with Andy Butcher. We're going to talk about a lot of interesting things, including the impact of media nowadays. We're going to be talking a little bit about um, if you have a message in you, how do you get it out there, and what's the difference we can all really, really make. So right now, without further ado, Andy, welcome to the avail podcast it's so good to have you here how you feeling great today good to be with you virgil glad to see you again <laughs> it, every time we connect uh as we work together in ministry and and in what the lord is doing here on our teams and avail and inspire through the four rivers media family it always is a pleasure andy and before we kind of uh, i have a lot of questions to ask you i think our viewers and listeners are going to learn a lot in this conversation with you but before we kind of dive into that maybe you can share a little bit about yourself so everybody can understand who is andy butcher Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. First thing I, I normally uh, feel the need to do whenever I'm speaking to a group is to explain that I do not have an accent. <laughs> you all do, but uh, but that's okay. Uh, but for those with a fine ear uh, that's tuned, they may recognize that I'm not from around these parts originally. So I was born and raised in England, um, and I'm a third-generation newspaper man. Uh, we've, uh, my family's been in you know, media, in uh, journalism wow. uh, for, for three generations. My late grandfather worked on one of the national newspapers in England as a political correspondent. Then my late father was a sports editor of a, a national newspaper, and I followed them. In fact, he and my mother, my mom, was also uh, a journalist. She was one of the pioneer women journalists back in, in the 50s. But when they met in those days, couples couldn't work in the same place, and so she reluctantly sadly had to leave that profession and mm. uh, pursue other opportunities but anyway then I followed in their footsteps I guess we have a uh, printer's ink in our blood and so I've uh, been involved in uh, journalism uh, media news books uh, all all my working life um yeah that's awesome you know I, I think um I think sometimes, sometimes God does that. He, he there, sometimes there's a calling that's carried on, kind of generationally in a in a given family or even a gifting, um, and it's beautiful when that's redeemed for for the Lord and for the kingdom. So uh, I think we're going to learn a lot with you today, Andy. I, I'd I'd like to just start on, um, you know, as we were preparing for this podcast, you mentioned about just the impact of media nowadays. We, we live in a time and an age where uh, media has a significant impact. Can we just, can you just start that conversation? 
Yeah, and to do so, I really need to go back and just kind of revisit a little bit of more of my story because you talked about you know generations and mm. heritage and, and legacy and that kind of a thing, uh, and I like to believe that in some curious way that's part of my story with God. Although I come from a non-believing family, um, mm. so neither my parents or grandparents were. I wasn't brought up in church. Wow. Uh, so curiously, I uh, didn't come to faith, didn't come to know Jesus until. Really, truly, till I was in my um, early 20s working professionally, I actually uh, left school at 16 uh, and started working on the local newspaper. That's kind of how you used to do it back in those days. Mm. You know, um, the journalism wasn't really a profession, you know, as such. Uh, it wasn't kind of an elite thing, mm -hmm. but it was more of a trade. It was a craft. And you would apprentice would be how you do it. So, you you know, the kids would kind of join the local newspaper and learn the craft in-house and, and then go and study separately. So that's kind of how I did it. So mm -hmm. by the time I was in my early 20s, I was uh, working on a, a national, uh, a daily newspaper uh, in England as a crime correspondent and covering medical issues, all kind you know, breaking news. Uh, but totally uh, as a secular person, and I came to faith mm -hmm. and um, had this, you know, Coming from a non totally non-believing background, I had this you know significant encounter with Jesus, the person of Jesus, and just wanted to serve Him. And because I had very little uh, experience or understanding of church, all I knew was that well, if you if you love Jesus and wanted to work for Him, then you became a preacher, right? <laughs> um, unfortunately, I had two counts against me uh, on this one that I. I knew virtually nothing about the Bible, right? <laughs> and the second was that I was terrified of public speaking. So, you know, they see, those things seem to kind of militate against this. Anyhow, anyhow uh, after a couple of years, uh, a friend who became, was a pastor and, and knew me invited me to speak at his church. So with fear and trembling, I spent ages preparing and kind of getting ready and finally went over this day to deliver my first message and say, you know, petrified, went out there and kind of gave it my best shot and uh, honestly quietly thought I was brilliant. <laughs> you know, I thought, here's the new Billy Graham. So, but I was trying to look holy but humble after the service. I'm standing at the back of the church waiting for people to come out. And the first person to come up to me was this sweet little old lady. And she came up to me and she put her hand out to me and she took my hand, her, my, my hand in hers. And she said, young man, she said, thank you for trying. <clears throat> so I... At that point, I feel okay, so maybe preaching is not, you know, back to plan B. What can I do? Well, I can write. I'm a journalist. I can ask questions. So I, so I pursued that, and I left secular mainstream media, and I got involved in um, Christian endeavor, Christian work. I actually spent 10 years uh, serving with a missions agency in, in a communications role. Mm. But uh, And this is actually, I am answering your question here, but I always felt kind of second class and a little mm. bit second rate. Like I wasn't really serving because I wasn't, you know, preaching and praying for people. I was doing this kind of work stuff. It didn't, it didn't feel kind of legitimate mm -hmm. in some ways. And, and during that process, I, I felt that uh, the Lord led me through uh, this und a, a kind of a paradigm shift, a new understanding of what I, you know, I'd been kind of gifted to do and where it fit. And it comes out of the story of the 12 spies, you know, mm. Moses sending as they, on the edge of the promised land and he sends the 12 spies out, you know, to, to uh, investigate. And, um, you know, think about it. These were 12 people who were representatives of a larger group and they mm. were sent out uh, to, to, in, to investigate, to ask questions and then to come back and tell people what they had learned. 
I mean, you could call them spies or you could call them journalists, right? I mean, that's what they were doing. In fact, yeah. if, you, uh, if you look at the instructions Moses gave them, they were kind of the essentials that you learn in Communications 101. Who, what, why, where, when, and how? You know, these mm -hmm. are the questions they, they had to investigate in their 40 days in the Promised Land. And uh, as I say, there's a whole kind of extended parable out of this that we, we don't have time to go into today, maybe. But, but to get to the main point, these 12 then came back, right? They came back after their 40 days and they brought back um, this report that there were giants in the land and, hey, we, you know, we shouldn't go in there. And um, Scripture tells us that they, they, they describe this as a, a bad report. Ten of them, remember, brought back a bad report. Oh, there are giants. We, we shouldn't go there. And think about what happened as a result of one bad report. Mm -hmm. An entire nation missed the purposes wow. of God. Instead of going into all that wow. God had for them, you know, the richness, the fullness that he, that he wanted for them, <clears throat> they went on an extended detour. And that's, that's the power of the press, if you will. That's the power of media to report. And, uh, you know, think today how that continues to happen, how media and reporting, I, I've called the 12 spies journalists, but we could equally call them anybody in media, because media is bringing reports of one kind or another. It could be yeah. a movie, it could be a book, it could be, it could be a song. But all those, things, what, all, those, all those what those things are doing are they are describing and explaining the world and how the world is. Yeah. And they're doing it from a certain vantage point. And so is the media, you know, that we are all of us swimming in 24-7, is it discipling us in the way that God wants us to walk and the way that God wants us to go? Or is it taking us on a detour? You know, think about issues like, you know, the environment and sexuality and immigration and you, you name all these hot button issues. Is this reporting that's going on, is it leading us, drawing us into what God has for us? Or is it taking us away from his purposes? And so, you know, with that kind of sense of uh, greater kind of understanding, I, I really felt no, this is important. Like, And so those of us who are involved in communications of whatever form mm. really do have a part to play in discipling the nations. I mean, you know, churches, you know, I, I believe, you know, love the local church, believe in the local church. Um, but with the best one in the world, most churches get maybe a couple of opportunities a week to disciple people, you know, right. a, a Sunday and maybe a midweek or whatever. The news cycle is going 24-7. And it's discipling, you know, us and our neighbors, those that we're wanting to reach day after day by presenting, is it a good report or is it a bad report? You know, that's so good. You know, as, as you're talking, I I can't help but but also in the back of my mind, think about sometimes, you know, sometimes as Christians, we might tend to think, oh, the media, you know, it's so wrong. It's so evil. You know, we don't get involved in that. You know, how do we how do we break down that wall? Because what I'm hearing from you is, you know, there's a role that we that we have to play that we should play. And if we don't, you know, there's going to be consequences. Absolutely. How do we break that down? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've long had uh, a concern, you know, coming from the, the, the news world of the way much of the church, you know, views journalists mm. as though they're kind of uh, the pariah. Now, it would certainly be true that more recently, over the last few years, the media has become increasingly 
polarized. And mm. there are areas, clearly and undeniably, where there is a bias against the things of God mm-hmm. and faith. That, that, that is true. But to, for us simply then to say, oh, well, we're just going to ignore them right. and you know, just pretend they don't exist, we're going to put our fingers in our ears, is short-sighted, I think, on a, for a couple of reasons. One, because all of our neighbors and friends and work colleagues and families, they're absorbing this Sure. You know, these reports every day. So mm-hmm. if we don't know what they're hearing, how can we even begin to hope to count right. it? And also, and we're probably going to get into this later, because it's doing that, what is the place for us as Christians to be involved in that domain of media and bringing back those good reports? You see, one thing that's really quite interesting is that um, when you look at the story, the actual reports of the 10 and then Joshua and Caleb, they factually, they weren't very different. Mm-hmm. They both kind of agreed, yes, there are giants in the land, right? Mm-hmm. But Joshua and Caleb, in numbers, it says that they brought back a good report, it says in Scripture, according to their own convictions. In other mm-hmm. words, according to their worldview, you know, their you know belief. And their worldview was, yes, there are giants, but God has said, mm-hmm. right? So it was not so much the content that was different, but the context and the understanding of that that was different. And so I think that's one thing we need to bear in mind. As I say, yes, we need to be wise and discerning, but simply to kind of ignore it all is is short-sighted. And it is also true that for all of the lamentable reporting that we may see going on out in the world, there is some terrific work being done by secular or mainstream non-believing journalists who in many ways that they they share similar convictions to believers because they believe in truth mm-hmm. now there's a difference but we christians believe in truth with a capital t right and and many journalists believe in truth with a small t you know just mm-hmm. the facts kind of thing but they believe in they believe in truth and also journalists they have this kind of evangelical desire to change the world for the better. That's why they're doing it. They want people to know these things. So as I say, if we simply view uh, the news media as the enemy, I think we're doing ourselves and them a disservice. And just one other thought uh, on that, though, coming to this you know, question of, of the news media and so on, I think another difference is where it kind of gets into maybe kind of the, 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 the spiritual realm or dimension, uh, if you will. It says uh, in that report, when they brought back a bad report, you know, the 10, it says that this bad report, it caused the people's hearts to melt. And wow. I think we've all had that experience where we've watched the news for half an hour and our hearts have melted. Like, oh, this is all so awful, mm-hmm. poverty, desperation, like... It's just hopeless, right? And I don't believe that's God's intention for us, you know, when we hear these reports. I believe God's intention, not that our hearts would melt, but they would that they would burn, right? Mm-hmm. They would burn for this. We want to change this injustice. We want God to do something here. So yeah. it's kind of like the, what's the dynamic going on there? And in 1 Corinthians 13, it, it says, doesn't it, you know, in that great love passage, it says that... Um, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Mm. And I think sometimes one of the differences that that we can see is that within the the mainstream media, 
and you know, I, I recognise this from my own experience there, is that there can be a delighting, there can be a, re, uh, a rejoicing in, in kind of the, the ugly. You know what I mean? We get captivated. We all have sure. that fallen capacity in us to rubberneck, you know. And we're only, we only engage with this bad news because it's so awful, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas as believers, we engage because our hearts break and because we want things to change. And so we don't delight in the evil, but we, we face it. We don't ignore, we don't ignore yeah. bad news, but we face it so we can call that we may one day rejoice in the truth about the change that may come. Yeah, that's good. I, I had never. I love the way you 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 kind of illustrated this um, media kind of illustration with the story of the twelve the twelve spies because it, it really it really makes sense. And as you were speaking, Andy, it, it reminded me. You know, I've learned that sometimes the the Christian church assumes some some wrong positions one one wrong position that the christian church sometimes assumes is the protesting church we're against everything and against everybody another wrong uh um position the christian church can assume is the cultural or the carnal church where where there's like no difference like the church and the world look the same like there's no nothing different and then there's the absent church where everything's evil everything we don't want anything and we're just over here in our own holy huddle and and we don't even have a voice there's not even a voice at the table because we're just absent and there's nothing to to say and so and so i think that's part of the challenge how do we become the relevant church where we are in but not of but we have a voice we have a respect yeah and i think the challenge therefore is is sometimes we want to we want to uh, ignore the bad news because it makes us uncomfortable right Mm -hmm. whereas i mean clearly Scripture doesn't ignore bad news. I mean, right. if we took if you took all the bad stuff out of the Bible, we'd have a very slim book, right? <laughs> you know, uh, so merely saying, "Oh, that's you know, that's terrible. That's you know, I'm, we just we're not going to pretend it's not happening." We, yeah, we become irrelevant, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So all you church leaders, pastors, ministry leaders, marketplace leaders out there, it's important to understand we we have to know, we have to we have to be at the table. We have to be involved in our communities. We have to know what's happening. Media has an important role and there might be uh, men, women and young people sitting in our congregations or in in our influential reach that we need to encourage them. Hey, go develop these giftings and these abilities and these talents and use them for the kingdom. And speaking of that, Andy, you know, um, um, sometimes people feel like they have a message, whether it's a pastor that feels like that there's a message to get out to the world, whether it's a leader who feels like I want to reach this people group or this target audience and I want to make a difference. Can we talk a little bit about transitioning to that, Andy? You know, when you have a message, how, how do you get your message out? Mm, yeah. Uh, well, as you you know, I mean, the, the 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 opportunities and the channels are just multiplying, you know, from even when I started the industry, you had, you know, print, a newspaper, you got one, you know, one newspaper, two newspapers a day, and, you know, there were books and that, and maybe in England, three channels, if you were lucky, right? But look uh-huh. how multivarious now the opportunities are. So there's there's no limit to the potential. I think the first thing, though, probably I would say, just from my own experience and working with, with other people, is not to get seduced by the idea of scale, you know, that um, we're all blinded by social media and so-and-so's got 8 million followers and you know, this, <laughs> that, and the other. And the idea, I think one of the mistakes we, we do make in, in the church is we, con- we, we confuse or con- scale with significance, mm-hmm. you know. 
And the fact that um, not every book is going to be a New York Times bestseller, right? But that's yep. okay. Doesn't mean, in fact, very few books right. are going to be New York Times bestsellers. That's why they are, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean that it, what you have to say uh, is not you know, sure. important. Um, so yeah, first, yeah, don't don't be seduced by the bright lights, um, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but look at opportunities. So, for instance, if you're you know if you're a pastor and you you're obviously there's you know recorded um, media now, right? I mean, the, mm -hmm. you know, on online the videos and so on. There's podcasts like we're doing here. Those are mm -hmm. other great opportunities. But um, while there's a lot of talk about going digital, and that you know that's true, books still remain a really, really significant and crucial uh, kind of channel that I would encourage uh, anybody uh, to, to consider pursuing because, you know, they are permanent. Uh, there's, there's just something about uh, a physical book yeah. uh, that, is, that, is, that is different. And, okay, I'm old and old school. I do read digital. I have a Kindle. But there's something about yeah. paper and having something in your hands that is that is in a way unique and different. So I'd encourage people to consider pursuing, uh, you know, writing, looking to write books. And there's a great, um, great encouragement in the first chapter of Luke, right? Okay, I mean, here's the, the missionary journalist, Luke, right? You know, he wrote the gospel. And then in this first chapter where he's writing about the early church, he has some just very simple advice there for anybody who's starting out in the first I don't know, two or three verses he, he begins by talking to theophilus right saying you know dear theophilus you know he says many have undertaken to you know write the accounts of all these things that are happening right um so first point there don't be discouraged if somebody already else has said something right about this don't think oh well billy graham wrote a book on prayer so i'm not going to bother buying you know writing one <laughs> you may have something different to say and just because you're not first to the table doesn't mean you're best. Where are all these other people who would try who are undertook to take the accounts? Where are these accounts? They've gone away. Luke's account may have come later, but mm. it's the one that's become of lasting value. So again, we don't want to get seduced by the media idea of being bigger, brighter, faster, quicker, you know, instant or all, all, all that. There's a timeliness to to what we do. So first thing would be you know, don't be dis don't be discouraged. Okay? Yes. And then second, he goes on to say, um, so I have you know investigated thoroughly, and he goes on to talk about how he's been diligent. Right. He, one of the um, temptations of digital media is we just slap something down and throw it out there. Right. You know, we just do it quickly. Right. And kind of instant. You know, <laughs> uh, and instant meals are okay, but they're not going to be nutritious over time. Right. Right. Some things take some time and some diligence and some effort to really, you know, produce something of substance. And then, then uh, the, one of the other points is he goes on to say, and I've done this, you know, dear Theoph Theophilus, so that you may know. So, like, what's your point? Um, sometimes I find that um, so there can be this um, kind of appeal that, hey, I want to, I want to say something rather than having something to say. You know, so what's what is the goal what's the point of the message you be very clear on specific on what you what you want to say from there you can then start to kind of reverse engineer how you get to that point so just some kind of very simple starting points there and then um you know for, for busy pastors 
uh, look for people to come and, and work with you. I mean, you have people who run your sound systems. You have people who help you do this. Sometimes we need um, collaborators to work with us. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? Avail is proud to announce that for a limited time, you can get over $273 worth of leadership resources in the Avail Plus box for just $10 in shipping. Inside the Avail Plus box, you'll find leadership books, study guides, magazines, and other content that we know will equip you with everything you need to inspire, motivate, and guide your team to success. Stop putting off your leadership growth on the back burner and start investing in becoming the leader you were made to be. Learn practical strategies, knowledge, and leadership tools curated by some of the industry's leading experts. Take the first step in your leadership growth. Purchase your Avail Plus box today before they're all gone by visiting availbox.com. That's great advice. I think, you know... I think there's people on both ends of the spectrum and also everywhere in between as far as, oh my goodness, I have no, I can't even think about putting something, you know, writing a book or putting something. And then you have other people who are thinking, oh, I, I could turn everything. You know, what would you say from your experience, Andy, wh- <laughs> what do you think is the most common though? Like, like what is it that limits pastors or leaders or you know, people that have a voice, uh, you, what, what would you say is the biggest uh, few limitations that, that people use as an excuse? You know, I can't do this. Uh, reason slash uh, excuse, I don't know. It's probably distraction. I mean, we yeah. are all constantly being distracted and trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but what is the thing that, you know, God has given us to do? And am I going to discipline myself and give my time to that? I mean, I, you know, I try to be diligent, but sometimes, you know, I can just fritter away time on just nothing, right? You get on, you know, you get online, you go down this rabbit hole and you suddenly realize what happened, right? So I I think the the idea that you can do it all, we can't. That, right. that, that's why God makes us go to sleep for six, seven, eight hours a night, right? He just wants to remind us we can't do it all. Yeah, that's good. You know, I think I think it's easy for for um, leaders, pastors. I think even what you mentioned before, thinking, "Oh well, there's so much already out there. How is my voice going to make a difference?" You know, um, and and I, and I I think I'd like to take the conversation there. Um, what difference can we make? You know, little old me in South Florida, or little old so and so in. England, little old so-and-so, you know, you name the city, you name the state, you name the country. What difference can I make? What difference can we make? You know, can we talk a little bit about that, Andy? Yeah, I think it it comes back to being, um, not being seduced by the idea of what we consider to be success, Mm -hmm. you know, right? Again, coming back to significance rather than success. But say you're a pastor, like like yourself, right? You pastor a, mm-hmm. a congregation. I don't know, said few hundred people, maybe that you've got, you know, or more. You've got mm-hmm. uh, in, influence and opportunity over. Now they may, you know, they may go to a online or to a bookstore and want to find a book about a particular topic. But you have an inroad to them because they know you. And so, if you were write a book about something, they're going to have a heightened interest 
in maybe hearing it from you. And if they if they read a book, then they've got inroads into their people. And they say, I've read this great book that my pastor wrote. Mm. And so, you know, you, you may not reach thousands, but the, you've got maybe hundreds sure. that you have greater potential to have an impact because you have that sense of association, connection, and familiarity. Yeah, and I think also, just to add to what you're saying, nobody starts up here. Like, everybody has a process and a journey. Uh, I don't think anybody's first book or first album or first project was the one, right? It, it's part of a of a de- personal growth and development journey that as we're doing something, we get better and we learn and and right. we grow and we mature. But well, I mean, you do get those, you know, incredible miracle exceptions, which is kind of <laughs> it's kind of like with, with the Powerball, right? Somebody wins the ticket, right? But yeah. come on. I mean, most people don't, you're right. You yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, we talked about as we were, you know, throwing some ideas about this podcast. Um, you talked to me a little bit about encouraging leaders to know who their gatekeepers are. Um, I think that's a great yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And it really kind of flows out of some of what we were talking about earlier about our way of understanding mm-hmm. or re- recognizing the influence of media and the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, these good and bad reports are flowing, you know, all day. Um, and uh, within the, the, the news industry, within academia, they talk about uh, the people who make the decisions about what we see, what we read, you know, the editors, the producers, you know, etc. They call them gatekeepers, you know, because mm-hmm. they're kind of the hinge. And I would, back when I was having this kind of parable was kind of being, you know, drawn to me many years ago now, I found that really intriguing because of, for us, you know, who read scripture, the kind of the scriptural, biblical overlay there, this idea of, you know, gatekeepers and the spiritual significance of that. And there's actually a, a great little parable, a parallel to this uh, Virgil 2 here in 2 Kings uh, chapter 7. And so this is when um, Samaria is under siege by the Syrians, right? And um, it's desperate, right? The the people are starving. I mean, they're turning to cannibalism. It's terrible. And the prophecy comes from Elisha that this time tomorrow, you know, today, bread costs, you know, fortune. Tomorrow, you won't be able to give it away. That's kind of, you know, my butcher version mm-hmm. of the of what of the story right and people are ridiculous what happens is that there are four uh, leprous men lepers who have been obviously sent out from the city right and they kind of out their own and um they go over to visit the syrian camp the enemy camp that's encamped around them to see maybe you know we can scram something over there kind of thing and when they get over there they discover that God has sent some sort of noise into the camp and all the Syrians have fled. Mm. So the four lepers have this great feast and they're picking up all these riches and stuff. And uh, then they say, hang on, this is a day of good news that we are keeping to ourselves, and that is not good. And scripture says, so they went to the walls and they called out to the gatekeepers and the gatekeepers shouted the news within the city and the people of the city went out and took, you know, the food and everything that the Syrians had left behind. Think about that. These gatekeepers, they were just passing on what they knew, but they mm. helped bring about the fulfillment of prophecy. Mm. Right? Yeah. So, 
So, and so these gatekeepers who decide what goes into the city, you know, our city or, you know, whether that be a physical city or our, you know, church, well, you know, our community, if you yeah. will, these people who decide what goes in and out of our uh, cities are very influential. And so my, um, you know, invitation challenge, if you will, to all of us is who are our lo- local gatekeepers in our communities? Do we mm. know their names? Do we pray for them? Do we engage with them or do we just, you know, murmur and criticize and say that, you know, they've got it all wrong again kind of thing? Because they have, whether they are aware of it or not, hugely, hugely influential roles in our community yeah. in, though they may not recognize it, discipling us. They're dis- you know, we are following in a certain way in relation to the big issues of the day. And is that because we're being fed with good reports or bad reports? I love that. I love that, especially from the perspective of, of, of the kingdom, like from the perspective of there's a role that we can play. I mean, I mean, there, sometimes we, we've, we've set our vision so small and, and, and we're, we're incapable of seeing how much God wants to do and can do and the multifaceted giftings and areas that God wants to use us in our communities, in our world today. Absolutely. And I mean, you can imagine for somebody who felt like second rate, kind of second class, you know, to get this sense of, oh, wow, I really, really have a part to play in this. It was, you know, just kind of liberating and exciting. And in fact, um, the the famous book, In His Steps, probably everybody knows at least of the title, you know, Charles Sheldon about 120 years ago now, you know, this story that he wrote about a, commu- a group of believers who decided to they, they would live their life with, with everything they faced, what would Jesus do, right? You know, remember 10, 20 years ago, the what would Jesus do kind of wristbands were born out of this old classic book. And what I found fascinating when I actually read the original book, I have a, on my shelf here somewhere, I have a copy that's like 110 years old. One of the main characters in Sheldon's story was a newspaper editor. Hmm. And he, Sheldon talked about how this editor came to realize that his job as a journalist was as much a part of being a, a missionary and about advancing the kingdom of God as anything else. And what, you know, the book, you know, the book um, in his steps was a huge success. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was fascinating was that uh, in about 1926, I think he was somewhere around there, Charles Sheldon, he was a, a I think it was Methodist pastor in Topeka, Kansas. The local newspaper invited him to edit their newspaper for a week, as Jesus would. They gave him the secular newspaper. They gave him their newspaper <laughs> for a week. And he was the editor for a week, editing it as Jesus would do. And it sold like tens of thousands of copies. It was mm. incredible. That's awesome. You know, even even as we're talking about, like I even think of we wouldn't have the we wouldn't have the physical Bibles in our hands today if it wasn't because there were scribes. There were people that were using their skills to write, to report, to receive, to communicate. There's there's so much here. Um, I love it. And you know what? Sorry, just even when I was in uh, when I was in missions, you know, so I was spent ten years in missions, and again, like you know, what's this got to do with? you know, extending the kingdom. But as I read in there, you, you read in the Acts of the Apostles, I think it's chapter three, four, five, I forget, but it talks there. This phrase energized me. It said, they reported all that God had done. <laughs> that, was, that was part of integral to missions. They reported all that God had done. So the people who were sent, sending, 
knew what was happening where they were sent. So yeah, that's good. I wanna, I wanna, um, as we get to the final stretch here, Andy, I wanna, I wanna get super practical. I'm, I'm the type of person who loves practicality, and let's put, let's put the tools in people's hands. If, if, and I know that there may be people of all ages and all generations, but let's just assume, but let's really target um, maybe some young people that young leaders that that maybe God is calling them. He's trying to awaken something in them. And from your experience in the in the media world, in the writing world, in publishing, all this, what practical tips would you give to a person who's who's saying, I wanna, I wanna be used by God in in these giftings that apparently have to are connected to to media or communications or writing. What are just some practical tips from your experience and from your knowledge? Gosh, that is a difficult question uh, because, you know, so much has changed, right, in the years mm-hmm. since I started as a 16-year-old with my uh, shorthand, you know, notebook. I mean, the, the the world has changed so much, uh-huh. and I'm even in a different country and culture. So in, ter- in terms of career-wise challenges, f- first thing I would say for any communicator, I would say of any kind, that you've got to be a reader. You've got to be a reader, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether you end up doing scripts or books or sermon, whatever it is, it all involves thinking and writing, and you have to be a reader. Read widely, you know, read broadly, read things you don't agree with. Now, don't be totally undiscern, you know, undiscerning about it. Obviously, we want to have a, a healthy filter, but read uh, things widely that will stimulate you, that will encourage you, that will challenge you that will stretch you so so do that first um then secondly i would say uh, look for some gatekeepers that you either recognize to be significant or respect look for them follow them try to engage with them we have opportunities to do that these days through social media in ways that we never do, did you know it used to be that the you know the anchor man was this remote figure on a on a screen now that we've all got Twitter handles and you know <laughs> this, that, and the other. But there are opportunities to engage. And uh, if you're going to be a, 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 a reader, also write. You know, not everything you just start writing. You know, it's practice, practice, practice. Um, and um, th- there's, there's just no way around sitting down, Putting, putting the time in at the keyboard, you know, practicing. Look for small opportunities to um, to start writing. Start your own blog. Find local community uh, opportunities to write. Community newspapers online. Uh, the, the online world is a great place to start because it is such a voracious consumer of content and material. They're always <laughs> looking for stuff. And... Sadly, in terms of career-wise, they're looking for it for free. But it's a great place to start. And as you start to build up, you know, some what they call clips, or they used to call clips in the old days because they were literally physical, you know, clips of paper. But as you start to build up a body of work, that provides you with an opportunity to go and show, here's some of what I've done. Here's what I've got. So, yeah. I love that. And I would say, just coming back to the 12 Spies, you know, that story says two things. We need Christians to go and be part of redeeming the, the 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 mainstream media you know we need that but we also need the two dissenting voices we also need if you will the um specific or particular 
quote Christian media, if we can, if we can, if we can call them that as well. We need that to bring that distinctive voice as well. So opportunities in both areas. That's great. You know, just a review here for everybody who's taking notes. Uh, here's the tips from Andy. Be a reader. You got to read if you're going to get good at at this art and, and, and media and, and communications, uh, look for some gatekeepers that you respect or identify with, or are, are making a difference. Actually start writing, <laughs> start doing it, practice it because the more you practice it, the more you develop it. And then look for small opportunities. You look for small opportunities, whether it's local community, whether it's online opportunities to get some more reps in. Um, this is great advice, Andy. I love this. Um, um, before we kind of close off, I think, I think, I'd like to. Um, I, I'm gonna. I want to point people to where they can connect with you. But before that, um, I just feel. I feel that a person like yourself has so much, um, so much that God has placed in you and used you in. You know, and is still doing so. But just maybe from the perspective of, of, and and let me use this phrase, of a spiritual father. I think. I think there's a role that you play along with many of your colleagues that are, you know, kind of on the same journey you've been on. There's a role. A lot of young people need spiritual fathers and, and they need men and women of example, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. F coming from the perspective or the tone of a spiritual father, can you just maybe encourage or um, just speak into the life of, of, of younger leaders from the perspective of God has a calling on their lives and, and, and as a voice, you have a voice and you have a track record in the world of media and writing and communications. How would you, as a father, spiritually speaking, just encourage some young leaders right now in, in this subject? Um, well, I, I would offer what I guess it would maybe be like a word of caution coming out of my own experience. Um, you talk about me being a spiritual father. I don't feel that. Age-wise, I'm getting there, right? I'm a grandfather, but I still will often feel like this, you know, young, inexperienced, inadequate, you know, young guy, right? Who doesn't know what's going on, you know, just, just hope nobody notices kind of thing, right? But as I look back uh, on my own, you know, journey in a career and as a believer, um, I would say... Um, Again, echoing some of what, what 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 I've said before, like don't be seduced by success. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my story of my walk with Jesus as it goes on is you know it's been a slow um, journey into more and more understanding of His grace and His goodness and of His mercy and kindness. And for too long, I was still looking for affirmation for acceptance mm. uh, in what I, quote, succeeded at, rather than in the fact that I am a beloved son of the Father. So I would say that, you know, pursue your, you know, uh, passion, your career, but more than anything, pursue God first. Yeah, um, yeah I would say that. And, uh, and I again, maybe this speaks just more of me personally than generally. I think a challenge for all of us, who are involved in um, truth-telling, if you will, one way or another. You know, whether you're a journalist who's writing about things that are wrong in the world and they need to change, you know, or whether you're a pastor, right, bringing the word of the Lord, or whether you're a politician, you know, actively actively trying to make change, or you're an act, you know, activist, NGO, whatever. 
if you're involved in, in truth telling, I think it's very easy for us, for me, to go from pursuing righteousness to being self-righteous, from holiness to holier than thou. And I mm -hmm. think that's particularly with the bright lights and the big, you know, hey, you know, bestseller, and blah, blah, blah. you know, we can, we can get seduced by that. And I, you know, I come back and again, I wish I had grappled with this more mm. at a younger age. You know, Psalm 51, David says, you know, God speaks to God, says, God, you desire truth in the inmost parts. And I think it's very easy for us to go around wanting to give other people the truth. You know, don't, and, and, you know, in some some extremes of the justice movement, we see that we're busy going around wagging our fingers at, you know, other people, you know, whether, but it doesn't say God wants truth on the front page. I think he does, but primarily he wants it first in the inmost parts. And so, yeah, that's just a caution that we should shepherd yeah. our hearts so that we can truly be better kind of vehicles and, uh, for what he has to say when we get the opportunity to be part of sharing that. That is wonderful. That's come on, everybody. I know you're listening, you're watching, you're saying this is good. That's good, Andy. I think I think that word of caution is the word that we need sometimes from 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 a, a person who is in a spiritual father. Hey, you've been running this race and there's a lot that you have to offer not only people now, but, you know, even even your colleagues. So I'm, I'm thankful for you. I'd love for people to be able to connect with you, Andy. How can people find you online? What's the best ways? Sure. Uh, they can find me online at uh, andybutcheronline.com uh, or through uh, Four Rivers Media, where uh, we intersect. One of the things I'm involved with, I'm the, the editorial director at Four Rivers Media, overseeing books and magazines, one of which is called... Uh, inspire magazine yeah. which is coming back to our conversation is all about going into these areas of the world as king with a kingdom perspective so mm -hmm. the media and government and finance and business and all these places encouraging people to have that spy mentality if you will going out and being part of this this kingdom mission that we have yeah i love that inspire by the way for everybody all the avail extended family here uh inspire is a sister brand uh, of Avail, uh, whereas Avail kind of focuses a little bit more on ministry leadership. Uh, Inspire really focuses more on marketplace leadership and how we, it's not just the top 2% of the Christian church, which is the leaders of the church, but it's its its the rest of the 98% of people who are sitting in the chairs, in the pews, in the churches, who are believers in the community. Uh, I love that, Andy. How, how can people access uh, Inspire? Is there a website for Inspire? Yeah, uh, if you go to inspirecollective.com and you can get free access to the digital magazine there and uh, many of the other resources too, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I will mention uh, Inspire is an awesome, awesome uh, leadership magazine as well, um, as well as our, our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Chris Bowen, who hosts the Inspire podcast. Uh, great conversations as well with uh, lead marketplace leaders in the community. Um, love it, love it, love it. And so you guys heard it here. For more on Andy Butcher, you can find him on Twitter. You can find him at andybutcheronline.com. You can also go to inspirecollective.com to see a little bit about that, that he gets the work part of. Uh, and you guys know, if, if you've been watching or listening to Avail, Avail you can get the avail magazine the avail magazine there he is none other than dr sam chand <laughs> dr sam chand and martine and the whole avail team this is one of the most awesome 
leadership resources for Christian leaders. If you go to availjournal.com, you can access your free annual subscription. This is one year for free on behalf of Avail. We love you. We want to equip you in the art of leadership. Um, I know, I know, Andy, you've seen the Avail. Avail's for real too, right? It is. One of my dear friends, the old colleagues there, uh, Matt Green, is at the helm there doing a fantastic yes. job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, this has been such a such a um, insightful conversation, and I think it's going to bless a lot of people, Andy. As we kind of finish off, what what what's one final um, final word, final nugget you want to leave in everybody's heart? Um, it would not be uh, journalism uh, related specifically. It would come back to I was speaking about uh, about guarding, you know, our hearts before mm. we go into whatever mission that God has given to us. And I've uh, been recently struck, uh, I've been reading through the Psalms. I mentioned Psalm 51, recently been reading through the Psalms and was struck again in uh, Psalm 51, once again, the one we I just referenced where, but it's David talks in the opening verses there about God's uh, steadfast love and his abundant mercy. Mm. And for me, um, you know, we talk about the gospel, you know, the gospel train, those are the tracks that the gospel runs on, his steadfast love and his yeah. abundant mercy. And how can each of us each day look to both experience and press into more of that for ourselves, but also be conduits of that to those the world around us, both his steadfast love and his abundant mercy. Yeah. I love that. That's a good word. This has been great, Andy. You know, I, what a blessing. What a, what a <laughs> what a treat we've had here on the Avail podcast today. Uh, on behalf of the Avail team, uh, we just want to tell you we're thankful for you, brother. Uh, we honor you. And, uh, you know, even per, just on a personal level, I'm really proud of you, Andy. I think you bring such great skill and experience and gifting uh, to the Inspire team, to to our Four Rivers media team. And uh, we're, we really love what God is doing in your life. Well, Virgil, I appreciate that. And I have to say, I, I'm used to be the ones used to being asking the questions. So you made it very painless for me. Thank you. You do a, a great job. And I hope most people uh, understood my uh, non-accent. So. <laughs> we loved it. I loved it. Hey, it, it made things change, change it up a little bit with, it, with the non-accent. I loved it. Uh, thanks for being with us. We really bless you and we're thankful for your life, Andy. Hey, Thank everybody. You. Thanks. thanks. For Thanks for connecting with us. Andy has been a blessing. Uh, AndyButcherOnline.com. You can uh, take a little, uh, take a look more at some of his stuff, even some of his books. Uh, InspireCollective.com. Uh, you're going to see a lot of his current work there in those uh, magazines. You're going to love that. Remember, you can stay connected with us here at the Avail Podcast so you can continue to learn and grow in the art of leadership. We'll see you next time right here on the Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail Podcast. We hope you've been intrigued by this conversation with Andy Butcher. Remember, you can connect with Andy on Twitter and also at andybutcheronline.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. And if you'd like to connect to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit us at availleadershipconnect.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.